Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or visit their website at greyhoundpp.com.au. We hope that you enjoy this episode and thanks to everyone for your support in promoting our wonderful industry. Let's start off with you know the amazing <laughs> run of form you guys are, are having at the moment. Tell me, tell me firstly though how um, you know yourself and Kurt came to sort of be a training partnership. Oh, well, we're pretty good mates. Sort of, we met through the dogs, and um, one day he sort of invited me for, over for a beer and a pizza, and <laughs> we got chatting. And he said, "Would you like to have a go training dogs together?" I'm thinking of selling up my house, and I said, "Yeah, no worries." So we we got on to. Uh, Terry and Anthony and uh, inquired about Murnion to see if it was empty and yep. we were lucky enough it was and they allowed us to rent it. So, yeah. How good. Well, I moved down October last year and Kurt come just after New Year's. So, yep. yeah, that's about that. Yeah, nice. That was it, basically. That's how it all started. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, cool. Pretty much. And what's your, um like, what's your, like, obviously, you know, I know you've been a, a trainer for a little while, but where did it all start for you in uh, dog racing? Oh, well, Dad had dogs, but he was very much a hobbyist. He used to make collars and leads and muzzles and all that sort of stuff and sell them at the tracks for a bit of extra pocket money. So yep. that was um, my introduction to greyhound racing. It wasn't sort of until I got well and truly into high school that I even really had anything to do with dogs. Like, cause, um, Dad had a had another uh, another love in his life and um, sort of I didn't get along with her too well so yep. he had the kennels at her place so I, the only time I sort of had anything to do with the dogs was going to the races and catching and stuff like that until yep. um, so I sort of got into high school and became friends with the sort of Formosa family um, so I spent most of my school holidays up there sort of mucking around kicking the footy and occasionally helping out with the dogs and yeah, um, nice. then I was about um, 15 or 16 and I went to work for uh, retired trainer now named Ronnie Giles. I was up there for a good school holidays and that was pretty much it. I was hooked after that. And I can remember I um year eleven I, I got um I got best in class in about I don't know four of the six subjects that we did and I failed biology because it was on a Thursday afternoon when I'd be doing the form for Sandown <laughs> in the Meadows. So Outstanding. <laughs> I wasn't too much hope after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear when was it was it sort of um you know when you started uh you know as you said going to other people's places and going to the track and catching and stuff when did you sort of realize oh yeah I, I wouldn't mind giving training a go um yeah pretty much from then I like I, I knew I always wanted to do it I was lucky enough when I finished year 12 um GRV offered me a like a, a traineeship for a year, so oh, nice. I worked at GRV for a year while I was doing a bit of uni and stuff like that, and yep. got to the end of that and said, "What am I going to do?" And I held on to like a few odd jobs here and there, but it was always going to be always going to be dogs after that, pretty much. So yep. yeah, yeah, nice. What did you study at university? Uh, I was a bachelor's of business management. I got my um, associate degree through, but didn't go back for the final year. So yep. that's what I got, and. Um, yeah, that's what we got to after that. And I moved up to, um, from Melbourne up to like, sort of near Bendigo Way and worked for Rod Clark and had dogs at his place and stuff like that. And Aaron De Batista, he was next door. Yeah. It was the same sort of deal there. And, yeah, that was sort of my my sort of first working life after school with Greyhounds anyway. Yep. Now, you know, my probably earliest memories of you, um, you know, was watching the great 
Lioness Lulu go around at, at Wentworth Park and, you know, I, I vaguely remember, you know, seeing the, the articles and that um, that were wrote about you in the interviews and, you know, she was one of those dogs that, you know, sort of like they say, the, the once-in-a-lifetime game changes. What, um, you know, you must have some great memories of her on the racetrack. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Like, you couldn't have come at a really better time. Like, Dad was um, in palliative care at the time, so I was pretty down in the dumps and she sort of come along and, I don't know. I don't even know how we got her to sort of staying. Like she never sort of really showed <laughs> any um, any strength in her 500 meter racing until one day at the meadow she come from last and ran fourth. And I threw her in over 650 at Shepparton. She went, you know, within five or six lengths of the record, running second behind a good dog. And yep. Peter Riley, Robbie Britton's worker, said you should try her over 700. So we threw her in the super stays and um, yeah, she sort of the rest was history after that. She was just turned out, she was just having a bit of a flat spot at the end of 500 metres. And yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, she had another 200 metres left in her. So we did, <laughs> it took us nearly two and a half years of racing to work it out. But yeah, yep. it was. That was, that was about that with her. Yeah, wow. I was just going back looking through a form. I mean, you th- you think to yourself, God, you're like she only won nine races. I honestly thought she won way more than that. But you know, probably that that Group One Association Cup final. You know, I remember standing there. You know, I was hoping she'd win. She did everything right. And how did it feel? You know, because everyone says, oh, you know, a group winning a Group One, it's what you dream about. And then when it actually happens, how did you feel? Oh, it's a, it's nearly an out of body experience. You don't know what's going on. This, you know, <laughs> I was lucky enough. I, I took a mate up to Sydney with me, and he caught her on the night. He's jumping all over me, and all the, <laughs> everyone else is going congratulations and whatnot. And um, my, my mate sent me a video of um, a Bendigo must have had a good race. I reckon it was around the Gold Rush. I reckon those carnivals sort of colliding then the Gold Rush carnival with Bendigo with the Easter egg night, and it was one of the big nights at Bendigo, and it was a pretty big crowd. And one of my friends sent me. Um, a video of um, the, the people at Bendigo and everyone was just going crazy in the restaurant there at Bendigo when she oh, won. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was it was a surreal feeling. But, yeah, it was just one of those things where she was sort of in the right place at the right time. Like, she, she was a really good dog, don't get me wrong, but sort of some of the stays that were around her, like, it's funny, I, like I went up to Wentworth Park um, a couple of years ago and seen her name on the honour roll there and you got the dogs, you know, like Sweet It Is and yep. Zoli Allen and those sort of dogs up on that list and <laughs> her name slot up next to them. It's like, yeah, we're probably a little bit lucky. It was just sort of, <laughs> there was a bit of a lull in the staying ranks at the time, you know, like Space started broken down, Star Recall had finished. Um, was, what was the other dog? It was sort of in between when bells are ringing and um, burn one down. We're just sort of starting their 700 yep. meter careers. It was sort of a six-week gap where she just... She just relished uh, uh, relished on her opportunity, you know. Yep, and now she's um she's become a mum as well. How are her pups progressing? Yeah, so we've got two litters on the ground. The first litter, we ended up with two live ones. Um, there's a boy and a girl. I've got the boy at home. He's just, you know, he's just turned. I think they're fourteen and a half or fifteen months old now. But they're so big and gangly. I haven't really done a lot with him. We took him to Ballarat and. Gave him a slip around there, and he went all the way around there and bit on first time. And yep. um, Peter Gavin's breaking in um, the female for Cuda and potentially Anthony has a party if she's good enough or oh, stays yep. good enough. And yep. they got um like you don't want to give too much away, but there's some very very very, very good reports about her. So we're sort of excited for the next one. She's in pup two. Aussie infrared, and she's yep. doing a few weeks. So no, that's all exciting. Her. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah, Vicky Brand will be very happy to hear that. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we just went there because you know we got the chase and the outcross and everything yeah. else, and sort of matched up really good. And yeah, you know, I was, uh, sort of have Amarillo Highway as well, and he's an Aussie infrared, and I love him as a dog. So yeah, 
um, yeah, that's the main reason we went there. Yeah. Oh, look, you can't deny he's going absolutely, you know, super at start. And, you know, it's, um, you know, I was chatting to someone the other day and they said, oh, you know, it, it's really hard when you've got, obviously everybody wants to go to either Fernando or Barcia, you know, and no disrespect to the other dogs, but, um, you know, the fact that he's getting his name out there when there is those two sort of gun size, you know, says a lot about, um, you know, his potential. So, yeah, it could be, um, could be some champions in there, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're hoping for. Sort of, <clears throat> it's exciting when you hear the sort of times that the the um the little girl that that Cooter's got to running. She's um hopefully going to be a cracker. So yep. she's already she's already trolling quicker than half my race dogs. So <laughs> <laughs> it's um, fourteen months old. It's um yeah, it's um exciting stuff. And yeah, like even even if my um my bloke turns out to be no good and she goes on a wins group races, I'll be I'll be stoked, you know, because yeah. the line's just going to keep going, hopefully, and yep. I'll chime in again somewhere if, you know, if she has a bitch, hopefully I'll be lucky enough to get a pup out of her, yep. you know, if she has a litter, so. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Now, moving forward to, to modern day times, I mean, I was just looking at, at your stats, you've already notched up, you know, 47 winners, you'll, you'll surpass 50 easily, but... Yeah, yourself and Kurt are just having an amazing um, run of form at the moment. Is there anything in particular you put it down to, or no, not really. It's just sort of taking us a little while to get used to Murnion. It's a very different, different place to where I'm, well, myself and Kurt are from anyway. Sort of different, different weather. It's very, very cold where we are. Sort of, it's taking us a little while to get used to that and to adjust the feeding and that sort of stuff to get it right and the training regime and the workload and what the dogs can and can't handle and stuff, you know, going from, well, Kurt, I think Kurt had 10 kennels and I had 10 kennels at Heathkit. So um, to go from, you know, 10 dogs each separate to 40 dogs together sort of takes a bit of um, organising and stuff like that. But we've got a really good team at home now, but not as in just the dog-wise at the moment, sort of. Um, Kurt's partner Olivia, she's great with the dogs, with the pups and stuff, especially. And the kids, the kids are out running around, um, (laughs) picking up bowls and, and all that sort of stuff, and our uh, kennel foreman Tommy's just been a revelation. He sort of keeps the joint spotless, and you know the dogs are let out at certain times and fed at certain times, and just having that, having that sort of security and um, loyal person home at home with the dogs that you can yeah. trust while you're going to the races all around the countryside. It's um, it's it's great, you know, and it's a good lifestyle for Kurt as well, raising a young family. Not many blokes should sort of get to be able to spend the time that that he's got to spend with them. You know, most blokes his age would be at work, you know. Yeah. nine to five, you know, five or six days a week, whereas yep. he's sort of allowed to spend a lot of time with his kids and I don't mind it. I, I go to the races and do lots of driving, so yep. it's, um, it actually works out really well. Yep, and, um, you know, just like, yeah, when you said about the driving, you know, you, you made the trip up to, to Maitland earlier this year with Amarillo Highway, who, you know, I, I will say I'll put it down to the, the great catcher that you had, the fact he come third in the final. So um, if anyone out there, the catcher was me, so that's why I give myself a wrap. Um, <laughs> he was um, – he's always shown, like, you know, amazing potential. And, you know, he won his race the other day. Unfortunately, you know, he, he got beat uh, at Healesville at his most um, recent start yesterday. But, you, you know, you were saying to me when you brought him up to Maitland, you know, he's had a, a few issues and that. But, you know, just getting him right, he's he's very promising, isn't he? Yeah, well, that's it. Even, like, he's the type of dog he sort of doesn't sort of knock himself about in races. You know, if he gets a check or something like that, he sort of, he can um he can not throw, he's not the bravest soul. He can throw in the towel and things get a bit hot sometimes but um when, when things go his own way he's um exceptionally fast especially if he can get if he can drop his shoulder onto the rail he's sort of yeah he's a very 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 fast dog he's sort of just probably just below those sort of country cup dogs in victoria at the moment you know watching the bendigo cup heats last week i'm sort of glad we didn't go there well 
um, like he trialled very fast there, but he's still, um, you know, he's not a 23-20 dog or anything like that. Yeah. You know, he's more a 23-80, 23-70 dog these days. And, um, yeah, sort of the, the goal will be sort of over the next month or two to get him fit enough to back racing over 500. I think that's where he's sort of got to be. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah, nice. Yeah. And um, you've already notched up, like obviously as we speak, you've already notched up a, a winner today. Deadly Express, he's starting, a, you know, it's starting to be quite consistent as well. Yeah, he's actually he's a, he's in saying that he's one, two, or five or something, but he's yeah. he's been a little bit disappointing. He was sort of trialing, he trials sort of free for all country times by himself. You know, twenty two sixties at Geelong, twenty two tens and twenties at Ballarat, and um, you know, eighteen dead in the slop at the Meadows on a wet Thursday morning he's um he's we actually had, had pretty big wraps on him and he sort of box manners have let him down his first few starts and he sort of never missed the missed the kick through all his pre-training you know in half fields and even satisfactories and stuff like that he just rolled straight to the front and sort of he sort of let us down a little bit with his box manners um on race day and it's taken a little while to work him out but once he gets there he'll um he'll, he'll turn out to be a real nice dog I think yep and he's only a little fella too 27 kilos yeah he's only Honestly, I reckon the first two days he was in the kennel, I thought he was a bitch. And until he, <laughs> he was having a wee on a pole, I thought, boy, that's your boy, you know. And it's funny because, like, the other – we got a, a, um, a few dogs at one time from that Puppet Track Syndicate and all the other ones, they're all, you know, 33, 34, 35 kilo, four Norse and Allens, and he's just this little black fella by himself. Yep. Um, yeah. How um you know the pop to track um syndicates you know they got so many, they got thousands of followers on Facebook I was having a look the other day how are those guys to train for Oh they're great they just they sort of give you free reign they got um you know Chris and Chris and the boys they sort of like they know their dogs but you know they let they they leave their trainers alone which is which is a great thing as a trainer you yeah. don't want the phone ringing off off the hook you know twenty four <laughs> hours a day I've got yeah. one owner who likes ring me tells me what he's having for breakfast so. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, these guys, they're really good, you know, like, they do the right thing by their dogs, they sort of put in a good system in place, you know, they got like, the Martins really dogs up at Shepherd and they do a great job, and Scotty Manning breaks them in, and they're sort of starting to put a little bit of a system together, which hopefully will lead to success in the near future, they probably, you know, have, have been unlucky with the with the dogs they've bred so far, like, um, unfortunately, um, that Deadly Express's brother, he was probably trolling just as quick, and yeah, um, you got a like we well, think it was like a twisted bell or a, um, oh, no. a burst ulcers and, and yeah. died after his first start at Geelong. Oh, um, so it was a little bit disappointing yeah. or very disappointing. But yeah. Um, yeah, they've stuck fat with me, so it's um, it's been good. Hopefully, we can build a good relationship over the next twelve months with these dogs. Anyway, yeah, nice. And probably just my last question. You know, I always ask this to to trainers. You know, like you know, you've been training for a little while now. What are some of the um, you know key things that you've Learn as a trainer that seemed to um to work well for you. You know yourself and oh, Kurt. The, the feeding is the biggest thing for us. Like myself and Kurt, we we don't overdo it with vitamins and stuff like that, but we believe in good quality food. You know, like we've switched on to preservative free kangaroo and feed a really really good kibble and um just like a good basic workload for the dogs. We don't overwork them too hard. Um, a fair bit of light free galloping in between races and. Yeah, sort of. You let the let the dog's career dictate to where they go. You know, like I sort of, I think the thing that um, a lot of people struggle with in Victoria is that it's it's one thing to have a dog that's going to be competitive, but the grading system in Victoria is very very complex with the points and age prize money and tier three and half stakes half stakes meetings and rankings meetings and yeah, yeah. It's um it's absolutely like you could you could go nuts trying to work out where best to place your dog. So I think that's sort of one thing we probably do. 
as good as anyone at the moment, sort of getting dogs in weaker races where, they, where they've got the best opportunity to win. Yep. I yep. found it's a lot easier to win two half-stakes races than it is to win one full-stakes race. And, you know, 25-10 at Ballarat or 23-60 at Bendigo, we just haven't got the cattle that can run those times at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's, the placement's probably the key to it for us at the minute. Yep. And how many dogs have you guys got in work at the moment? Uh, it's 40 in work all the time. Oh, wow. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, we've got 40 in work between pre-trainers and race dogs and stuff like that. And, Broodies and everything else was probably I wouldn't know how many is on the property altogether, but yeah, forty in work all the time. I sort of keep it at that number, and yep. it's a lot of a lot of weighing out meat and feeds and free galloping and let outs and hosing out kennels and stuff like that. Yep. It's all um it's all go time from the time we get up. But um no, we love it. Like it's sort of it it is labour intensive, but we've got a few people you know between Tom and Olivia and Kurt and myself going through the kennels. It sort of makes it a little bit easier on everyone, but um. Yeah, no, we love what we're doing at the moment. It's great. Yeah. And, you know, like like I've seen you guys notching up, no, not just winners, but, you know, you're getting singles and, uh, sorry, doubles and trebles and that sort of thing at meetings. So that sort of makes all that hard work worth it in a way, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's it. That all goes back to sort of, as well as the dog's ability, it's just the, the placement's the key to it. Sort of we, we um, try and even like try and plot our dogs so that they're not going to crash into each other. Like it's hard when, with, with these maidens that we've got at the moment, but, the rest of them, we sort of try and plot, plot out the week so that they're not, not going to end up with two or three dogs in the same race all the time. Yeah. Um, we try and work work, work our way around that. And, um, yeah, a lot of driving. But it's, um, <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of driving. I don't know how, how my licence is going to hold up over the next few years, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> is, there, um, is there a dream race that, you know, either yourself or you guys together would, would love to win one day? Oh, the Melbourne Cup's just... The, the top of the list. I know, like, you guys have obviously got the million dollar chase up in Sydney, and that's got a bigger, bigger um, paycheck at the end of it. But, you know, Melbourne Cup's the Melbourne Cup. That's what everyone's yeah. in the sport to do, or well, down here in Victoria anyway. Um, the Australian Cup, I used to work at the Meadows, and you see the dogs that have won the Australian Cup, and I love the Meadows. It's a great track and really well run club. I'd love to win the Australian Cup as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, obviously, up in Sydney are the Easter egg and the million dollar chase, and they don't look like any of those big races are so you want to tick off your bucket list but yeah the melbourne cup's the one for me yeah for sure and you know it's funny you say about the million dollar chase i'm actually you know surprised at how many people go yeah look it's great for the money but you know if you gave me the option of that or the easter egg or a melbourne cup i'd take that over the million dollar chase just because of the history and the prestige of it and you know like you were saying that the honor roll of those sorts of races you know the the you know, exclusive club you join if you win a race like that. So, yeah, it makes sense why people still sort of aim for, for those sorts of races because, you know, at the end, yes, you know, we race for the money, but, you know, most of the time it means more than that in these sorts of races. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of, you know, like everyone, you know, in any walk of life, everyone wants to be comfortable, but I don't think anyone in greyhound races, in greyhound racing, everyone that gets into it knows that they're not going to become millionaires unless, you know, luck really does strike. Um but Unless yeah, you're like, Peter Lagogiani yeah. and win it yeah. twice. <laughs> oh, Pete, he's, um, he's a ripper, isn't he, Pete? He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's one of the funnier blokes I've ever, I've ever met in brand racing. He's, um, he's fantastic. But, yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, the Melbourne Cup, that's sort of where it's at for us. You've been listening to the Greyhound Girl Podcasts with Dimity Ma, proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or their website, greyhoundpp.com.au.